From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of NAPS Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. Over the past few days, the Office of Personnel Management has released the magnitude of the Civil Service Retirement System and Federal Employees Retirement System Cost of Living Adjustment, as well as the average Federal Employees Health Benefits Program premium increase for 2021. Federal retirement benefits will increase by a modest 1.3% beginning January 1st. According to historic data, this approximates the average cost of living adjustment for the past 10 years. It is important to note that there is a difference in the application of the cost of living adjustment, depending whether an annuitant participates in CSRS or FERS. CSRS annuitants will receive the full 1.3% no matter their age. However, FERS annuitants will receive their COLA only if they are at least 62 years old, unless disabled. Of course, FERS annuitants also receive Social Security benefits, and that will be 1.3%. Also this week, the Office of Personnel Management announced that the 2021 FEHBP participants will pay on the average 4.9% more in their health premium than they did in 2020, which was 5.6%. In addition, the FEHBP increase is lower than the premium increase for Americans who participate in employer-provided health benefits programs. It is noteworthy that FEHBP plans will be required to cover in full COVID-19 antibody tests and once approved by the Food and Drug Administration, a COVID-19 vaccine. Now let's get to this week's guest, and he's been waiting patiently for the last couple of moments, and that is NAPS Executive Vice President Ivan Butts. It's been more than a month since you've been on NAPS Chat, and a lot has happened during that time within the Postal Service and on the political battleground. Have you missed us? (laughs) Thanks, Bob. Uh, Yeah, I have missed being out, but it's been extremely busy and uh, us reacting to and uh, news stories and issues being coming coming to the forefront concerning the postal service and surrounding vote by mail and some of the uh, impacts of the equipment that has been taken out of service and and, and how we will move forward and and be able to process ballots and and not just ballots but political mail and uh, essential supplies and parcels. So it's been very busy. Ivan, I'd like to draw your attention to a conversation I had last week on NAPS Chat with noted political consultant Mark Melman. We were talking about a recent poll that provided a number of data points regarding the Postal Service. First, despite all the slings and arrows cast at the Postal Service over the past few months, Americans still awarded the agency a 72% approval rating. Second, 51% of Americans experienced increased mail delays, and they sort of pointed that out in the survey. And third, 54% of Americans believe that senior leadership prescribed changes at the Postal Service were not justified. Mark Mailman mused this provides strong validation of the importance of the Postal Service, that Americans genuinely cared about the Postal Service, and that they recognized when service was diminished. 
Well, what's your take on all this scuttlebutt about the Postal Service, about polling data, about the Postal Service, and Mark's musings about it? Well, I think, you know, the data that data shows, uh, one, that America is engaged and they understand uh, the issues of, of, of their uh, United States Postal Service and what's going on within the, the system. Uh, maybe not to the degree of, you know, what why leadership is making decisions that they make and, and or surrounding certain issues. But there's certainly an understanding that the Postal Service is changing. They're seeing a change in the Postal Service, uh, whether whether it is uh, the blue boxes that the, or the post office boxes that were pulled off of the streets or the, the slowing down of their mail. In, in the slowing down of their packages, you know, those issues they see and they readily kind of understand it with that in regards to the news stories surrounding all these things that are transpiring and, and you know, with some uh, statements on what could be causing or what is, what is at the center of some of these issues that we're having. So, you know, our, our customers get a, a fairly well-rounded understanding of what the issues are and, and what's impacting the issues. And, and again, you know, it, it helps them to be more informed, but also it, it strengthens their understanding of how valuable we are to them as the employees of the United States Postal Service and what we, and the services we provide. So I read into it that we have an informed America who understands the value of the post office and understands that the underlying issues of the Postal Service are not directly reflective of the employees who seek to serve them every day. Let's talk about the institution. Usually in October, the Peniman Institute uh, measures the degree of public trust in different institutions of America. And the Postal Service has historically rated highest amongst the institutions in terms of public trust. As I said, that study is usually conducted in October and it's reported usually December or January. The second study is the Gallup poll, which is usually conducted during the first quarter of the new year, and it evaluates public approval of different institutions. Ivan, do you think that all the media attention to the Postal Service, the attacks on the Postal Service by folks outside of the institution, making a making it a political pinata, is that going to affect the numbers that we're going to see in the Peniman Institute and the Gallup poll? I think it might. I, I think we really have to wait and see. Obviously, I, you know, I, I you know can't really t tell, uh, but I think it I think it it very well may impact our ratings and our, our surveys just by, uh, just again, America is informed through the news and various outlets and, and what's going on with legislators speaking out against the Postal Service and against the changes that were instituted by the Postal Service. So, And, and they're living with uh, uh, some of the diminished service that's obviously uh, a part of these changes that the Postal Service uh, initiated. So uh, will will that have an impact on our favorability? Will that have an impact on our uh, their reliability on on us? Uh, maybe not so much on our reliability, but you know, on service. Yeah, I think we could take uh, could we could take a hit from America because again, the service is diminished and the numbers prove it. Also, if 
the election uh, results as they come in, if there is a continued attack on the integrity of the Postal Service being the conduit for ballots from the voter to the election authority, if these attacks come about, that could have a high degree of uh, impact on the Postal Service also. Yeah, very much so. And, and one thing for sure, I, I, I don't think it, it's an if as far as the tax. The tax are coming now, so uh, uh, it, it, and, they, and they will continue to come against uh, America's Postal Service uh, in, in regards to uh, this, this uh, 2020 election. Now, let's talk about the 2020 election from the perspective of some court decisions. And as you recall, around two weeks ago, NAPS chat discussed in some detail four U.S. district court decisions that ruled against the Postal Service's operational changes. To review, they were in the state of Washington, the state of New York, the District of Columbia, and Pennsylvania. Now, some late-breaking news this week. In fact, yesterday on Wednesday, a Montana federal lawsuit uh, was settled by the Postal Service. And in the settlement, the agency agreed to reverse the changes that it made in June the repeal of those changes would impact nationwide, and this would include retail, reduced retail hours, removal of collection boxes and processing equipment, etc. In addition, this week, and this we were talking about this, Ivan, the uh, Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro, along with five other states, went back to the Pennsylvania federal court and asked that court to appoint. Former USPS Inspector General and former member of the Board of Governors, Dave Williams, as an official monitor to ensure that the Postal Service complies with the court orders to repeal the changes and to ensure that the election ballots go as promised. Uh, what reaction do you have to bringing, possibly bringing Dave Williams back into the postal fold? Well, I think for Mr. Shapiro to, to make that call again is is putting someone in, and I and I've said this about Dave Williams in the past. He's putting someone who knows the inner workings of the Postal Service, who knows uh, where the bones are buried, for for lack of a better word. Yeah, Dave Williams is a is a good selection. Obviously, if if the courts feel, if if the 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 states feel that the post office needs to be uh, managed in this process of fulfilling the court orders that 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 require them to restore the the service restore the machinery that's been taken out then you need somebody with some knowledge of what that machinery is where it is where where it was and Dave Williams is, is someone who still uh, retains some of that knowledge of, of knowing the process operations and and, and knowing uh, how plants run to what what equipment uh, uh, not just what equipment was taken out but uh, obviously all the logistics uh, that goes with that equipment yeah, because he did a lot of work as an inspector general on automation and machinery and how they operate within the Postal Service. What's, what is striking and what's most interesting about this is the lack of trust that these states have in the Postal Service implementing what it promised the courts, because that could be that's the only reason why the attorney general would seek to bring someone from outside the Postal Service to look over the shoulder of the senior leadership to make sure the promises made in the court or the rulings made in, by the court are actually implemented. 
Yeah, that's a testimony uh, to towards uh, leadership. I mean, you know, and that that won't be the courts wouldn't be the first ones to uh, to to make that kind of statement as as to the reliability of senior executives. You hear from legislators all the time after they come to hearings, and, and it's not even with just just in reference to our, our postmaster, current postmaster general, but former postmaster generals who have come before legislative committees. Again, they, they presented the Postal Service in a way whereas the senior leadership of this agency is not look creditable uh, to, to legislative leaders. One of the rulings that was most notable from my perspective was that the Pennsylvania court and the district court in the Washington DC court ruled that the Postal Regulatory Commission should have been involved in the implementation of the changes because uh, the Postal Service should have requested an advisory opinion. Now, if after the election as the Postmaster General were to uh, reinstate in full or in part his June operational changes, because remember, he promised that he wouldn't institute implement any of these changes prior to the election right now. He suspended them pending the election. Uh, do you have any insight on how the Postal Regulatory Commission should respond to the Postal Service if it attempts to implement? Well, I mean, I would I would hope that that the that the PRC would would do the due diligence of ensuring that the Postal Service has has survived uh, uh, has provided them with the the appropriate data that substantiates uh, uh, what what their request is going to be, uh, and I, I think that's you know was was missing from this process in the first in the, this this time around and the in and, and the machines were just taken out the boxes were although there are guidelines that say you know that there was supposed to be this data analysis that that builds this case so I would hope that the PRC would hold the Postal Service to a standard of really uh, being providing the data that's a, that that supports the changes that they want to uh, institute, and if the data doesn't support it, that the Postal they would they would advise against it. Now, Ivan, I'm gonna I'd like you to put your uh, I guess p- plant supervisory hat on for a moment. Mm. Nationwide, we know that there were millions of election ballots being returned. We know that. At the same time, Amazon and other online merchants such as Walmart, Best Buy, Office Depot, for example, are rolling out retail events and are flooding the Postal Service with parcel volume. Add to this early holiday shipping orders. Now, the Postal Service must comply with those court orders that we just talked about to treat absentee ballots as first-class mail— The Postal Service has pledged to provide priority treatment to those ballots. That's what they promised the courts. However, pursuant to negotiated service agreements with folks such as Amazon, they have to expedite parcel delivery and fit within certain delivery windows. Now, I understand that parcels are processed on different machinery than ballot, first-class mail. I understand that. But... How do you, you know, with regard to manpower, work hours, the delivery network, how do you balance your requirement to meet a court ruling to expedite and to treat with priority first-class mail with negotiated service agreements? Does do the plants have the capacity, the manpower, the work hours to do all this stuff, to 
I mean, I know the Pulse Service can chew gum and walk at the same time, but is this, how as a plant manager do you handle these priorities? Well, I, I, from an operations standpoint, you know, looking first at capacity, we know that with the machinery that's been taken out of service, that there's been an impact to service. So uh, capacity is, is somewhat diminished. We understand that with letter mail, uh, just by them taking the, the equipment out, by the data that they supplied to the courts, which shows a 10-point drop in service. So we have this capacity issue that we obviously have to address. And then we have the staffing issue of being able to run this equipment, uh, maybe maybe for prolonged, more prolonged hours because of the mail volume that, that we need to, to get through. And the staffing is, 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 is depending on where you are. We always have issues with staffing, whether it's, you know, due to just normal call outs or, or, you know, schedules and, you know, hunting season and things like that. So you always have to deal with uh, employees out. And, and being short staffed. So the only way you really can counter that is by the, by the scheduling of, of scheduled days off, the use of overtime desired lists and, and things of that nature. So you've got to use that, use that overtime as, as, as well as uh, uh, to, to its fullest to order to be able to get all this mail processed as well as these parcels processed. And that just applies to operations, not just operations in plants, but operations out in the field also, you know, because, again, we always have dealt with staffing issues, and, and, and that's just because our staffing models are, have always uh, been ineffective, as my belief has always been ineffective to properly staff operations. Um, so now, now, now at this crucial moment where we have these commitments to, to parcels from these national uh, service agreements, and then we have these commitments to the courts that we're going to get this ballot mail done, that really means that we're going to have to just, you know, put resources to, to it. So we're going to have to have, have people working overtime to get it done. We're going to have to probably be using extra transportation to make sure we, we get it all there and get it in, in where it needs to get. So uh, what we see is, is kind of what the post office said in their clarification letter when they tried to clarify uh, from leadership's uh, earlier first message of, of no extra trips and no overtime and everything else when they sent their clarification letter out uh, saying that, you know, we can use those use those resources to get this mail done and be committed to getting the mail done. That's what that's what we're going to have to do. So it's going to be up to lo, uh, up to uh, the local leadership to make sure that that the frontline supervisors and managers and postmasters have those resources at their hand, at, available to them at hand uh, to get this job done. Let's talk a little now about. Uh the October issue of the Postal Supervisor, which our members should have received by now, and includes two election-related inserts. First is former Vice President Biden's response to the National Association of Postal Supervisor presidential candidate questionnaire. Unfortunately, President Trump did not respond. His campaign has indicated that it does not respond to candidate surveys. Second is a congressional report card which records the two postal votes taken by the House of Representatives this past year, and a Senate co-sponsor list with regard to bills that are similar to the House passed bills. How should NAPS members use these tools in the October issue of the Postal Supervisor? 
Well, as far as the the presidential questionnaire that we sent out, which is is kind of president setting, we we've never done that before, and and we reached out to the Biden campaign and the, and the Trump campaign, and and again we got the reply from the Biden campaign. So I I think members need to do they need they just read read and educate yourself on what what the the uh, vice president Biden what what his campaign or what his his position is uh, about postal service and and how he's and and if he's supportive of our mission and, and supportive of our our constitutional enactment and move forward i mean you can't you know unfortunately uh you can only weigh uh what you what you hear or see in the news from president trump about the postal service uh because that's all we have we don't have anything else so you got to weigh those two options and, and, and then make your considerations, I guess, you know, uh, based off that. It's something that, you know, uh, uh, Lewis Atkins, our, our former past president of NAPS, always said is, you know, I don't vote Democrat. I don't vote Republican. I vote postal. And I think, you know, that 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 for me is 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 more prevalent now than ever that, you know, my vote needs to be for the preservation of me. And, and and preservation of me means the preservation of the postal service. Uh, as far as the, the bills, the bill scorecard, and I think that is a great tool for us to use. You know, when you're looking at it for our grassroots efforts and contacting local legislators that you know what they've supported, so you can thank them for that support, and then you know what they haven't supported, so you can ask for their support on those bills. And then what you also, what you don't, what you know that they have not supported, you could always go to our website to get the resources, to get the talking points for that legislation so you can engage them on a local level about our issues and, and to, to gain, garner that support. That's going to be cru- crucial, crucial, crucial as we go into next year also with our legislation and, we, and we, we're we trying to work uh, um, with the, in the new session of Congress with, with, uh, with the administration. Uh, we're going to have to, and we've done great. Let me not say that, let me not, I don't want you to think of it as I'm framing it as we haven't done great. We have done tremendous in our grassroots efforts uh, this year and over the past couple years. But next year, we're going to have to even take it up to an even higher level to, to make sure that we can do everything that we have to do to, to get the, the bills that we need for the sustainability, not just the sustainability of the Postal Service, but for the betterment of EAS and their working lives. Last question, Ivan. There is growing concern, and this follows through with your last comment, there's growing concern among postal reform advocates that actual, meaningful, productive postal reform legislation will be supplanted by a postal restoration process, that is, to repair whatever damage is perceived to have been done to the Postal Service over the past four or five months. And on top of that, there will be an increased attention to oversight of the Postal Service to review how the Postal Service has responded to the mail in election, to the to vote by mail, to absentee balloting. And I, I, I can see that happening at the, at the get-go of the next Congress, if not during a lame duck session this year. How do you think we ought to respond to the potential that this review and restoration project supplants meaningful, constructive postal reform for next year? 
Well, I, I think I think they work hand in hand. I would like to feel that they they're they're going to work hand in hand. If if there's a if there's a legislative belief that there needs to be some uh, restoration to the postal operations, that there was internal damages caused by the things done this at this time or the things being done at this time has caused eternal damage to the Postal Service that, that needs to be addressed and there needs to be some restoration, that that restoration should happen. And then after that restoration should happen, then we should also start to look at the things of the sustainability of the agency once again. I'm not saying that there needs to be this restoration process, but if there's a legislative belief that there needs to be some res- uh, restoration process, then uh, then that probably has to happen first before you, you go and then fix or, or address the other uh, issues of the Postal Service, which whether it's just financial sustainability. I mean, uh, but we, we as a management association representing uh, 27,000 EAS, uh, other managerial personnel postmasters, that we're going to certainly uh, be highly active to make sure that our issues uh, as far as uh, fairness and accountability as in as found in HR uh, 6085, uh, as far as MSPB rights as found in uh, HR 597, that is current those two bills currently in session, we're going to continue our, our push to make those a reality for, for the life of EAS. Uh, irregardless, it, it, whether we're in a restoration process or whether we're in uh, a, a sustainability process, we're going to com- we're continue to be 100% committed to make the working life of EAS better in, in this uh, agency than it is currently. Yeah, Ivan, I want to thank you for joining us today on NAPS Chat. Enjoy the day. Uh, I know we're preparing for an executive board meeting uh, that's going to start this weekend and uh, I know the entire executive board will be uh, virtually communicating with one another via the magic of Zoom. So we, I'm sure that uh, we'll read about it in an upcoming NAPS magazine, what happens at that uh, executive board meeting. This is Bob Levy, the legislative and political director for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. If you enjoy NAPS chat, please leave a positive review on the Apple podcast store. And more important, tell your friends to download our podcast and listen in. Be well and safe till next week. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter.